Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone. First off, I want to extend wishes for safety and health as the coronavirus situation uh, continues to affect all of our lives. And as we're dealing with all of this, um, it's nice to take a, a step aside and to think about a classic American success story. And today we're going to talk about that in, in the context of business, a entrepreneurial venture, Qualtrics, that over the course of 20 years built tremendous value uh, through customer relationships and impact on the market, ultimately resulting in a multi-billion dollar sale to SAP. And I'm privileged to have the co-founder, Scott Smith, who will be joining us here today. And it would literally take the statistical capabilities of a company like Qualtrics to measure all of Scott's accomplishments. Scott co-founded... <laughs> Scott co-founded Qualtrics, uh, run by two of his sons, and recently sold to SAP, as I mentioned before. That all followed earning a PhD at Penn State and pursuing an academic career in the BYU Marriott School of Management for more than 30 years, during which time his books and publications on marketing and statistics have really become seminal and off-sided works. He's been a Fulbright scholar in Moldova and received awards for his articles, papers, and research, but Scott's service extends beyond academia. He and his wife, Karen, have served missions for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in places including Hong Kong and Jerusalem, where they coordinated significant humanitarian services. Scott is also a member of the Board of Trustees at Utah Valley University and a supporter of the Huntsman Cancer Center. Together, he and Karen have nine children, and I want to make sure I get this right, Scott, 30 grandchildren and one great-grandchild. That's a big number. Scott, welcome to the program. (laughs) Thank you, Dan. I'm going to add one other thing there. Um, Before I was at BYU, I was at the University of Oregon, and uh, I had a phenomenal mentor in my life, and that happened to be uh, Jerry Albaum, who was Dan's father. And uh, I, I cannot tell you of the, uh, that I, I just simply would not be where I am in my life without, without your dad, Dan. And I am, I am so grateful for him in my life. Oh, Scott, that's, that's very kind. Thanks for acknowledging that. I know that's a very important relationship in, in my dad's life. And, and, and thank you for acknowledging that. And, and obviously, Scott, you've achieved tremendous success uh, on the academic side, and also as an entrepreneur, and we're going to get into the Qualtrics story. And I want to explore a little bit your original roots being in academics. And I'm curious, did you always have a goal, even as you were coming up through more of the academic uh, and professor track, to start and grow a business? Or did that just happen as more of an unexpected, spontaneous event? What was the inspiration for that? Well, uh, I think like everybody else's life, uh, where you end up is way different than you plan. You know, it's a nexus of many different events and situations. My my dad was a, a businessman, a retailer. Uh, he was also an entrepreneur. Uh, 
as an academic, I studied and taught about business and doing business and the principles of good business. As an academic researcher, uh, I'm a practicing researcher, and I've I've been involved in hundreds of research projects. And uh, you know, I, I, if you go all the way back, at, at one point uh, as an undergraduate student, I enrolled in a marketing research class. And I found that I had this passion for asking research questions in, in survey form. And uh, I went on and earned a PhD at Penn State, uh, focusing on research methodology and applied statistical analysis. And uh, it wasn't until decades later, uh, in fact, around 1997, uh, where the Internet uh, came together with survey research in the form of a consulting project. Uh, and, you know, for those that are a little bit younger, you have to remember that in 1992, there were only about 50 websites in the world. And, and so this, this was really new stuff at that point. And what I discovered was that the, the long months, you know, three months or six months to build and complete, uh, uh, a paper and pencil type of survey, uh, could be condensed into about 48 hours with perfect results. And today that process is even faster and better. And you can do PhD level experimental designs and data analytics all with a, you know, a push of a few buttons online. And uh, you know, Qualtrics, if nothing else, it is all about taking away the pain of, of, of a long data collection process. Uh, to do things faster and better and to provide insights and, and, and be able to manage the experiences of, uh, of customers and employees and brands and products and so forth. So anyway, long answer. Yeah. So, so it sounds like, Scott, you were uh, kind of at the right place at the right time of seeing the uh, impact of technology and capabilities on advancing, um, you know, the research capabilities. And, and I, as I've read the story of Qualtrics, how it literally came together, I'm probably not that far off. Is this literally a start in the garage, uh, operation and then, and then just growing, uh, from there. Okay. Tell us the story about the literally the very early days of the business. Well, um, we started out uh, above the garage and, uh, uh, began with a couple of PCs, happened to have a, uh, a DSL line that, that would, I could get that in my neighborhood. And I worked on this after work, kept my day job uh, and so forth. Uh, we grew. Uh, you know, the, one of the most exciting times of my life, I think, was discovering that somebody paid $500 uh, overnight, <laughs> uh, you know, to use the software that, that I'd put together. And uh, we grew and grew, uh, moved uh, to a different house, moved into the basement there, remodeled it, uh, you know, did all the wiring, built the servers, you know, just uh, literally bootstrapping uh, as we put that together. Uh, and at one point we had 24 employees in the basement of this house. And uh, that wasn't working because the, the garbage wasn't, uh, the truck was <laughs> yeah. The neighbor's garbage out there they couldn't find parking spots and and uh, so we ended up having to uh, to get an office and and then you know you, you grow from 24 into uh, you know 80 employees 
uh, in that office and you discover you're out of room again. So you find another building and you grow to almost 500 employees there. And at this point, Qualtrics is uh, uh, over 3,000 employees in, in 20 different countries, and it just continues to grow. Yeah, yeah. And so thinking about those early days of, of starting that business, leading that business, Scott, are there some learnings and capabilities that you were able to develop in academia that you feel that were important to your success in those early days of Qualtrics? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um you know, as a as an academic, uh, you end up teaching about business, and uh, there are just so many different things that you learn. I mean, someone assumes that a professor has all the answers, but but certainly they do not. And uh, you're evolving uh, in terms of understanding what it is that makes a, a good um, a good business. Uh, what are the principles there? Uh, one of the, the basic principles that, that we learned uh, early on and, and took into this is the, the concept of market segmentation, mm-hmm. you know, really understanding who it is that you're going after uh, and going trying to, to build a product that goes after multiple market segments at the same time. Uh, that's extremely uh, important. Uh, because if one doesn't develop the way you want, then then obviously there are other other markets that that are there. Uh, you learn to to be creative, uh, to think out of the box. Uh, one of the things that we did with with Qualtrics is it, at the time where we started, uh, the market research industry was basically served by full service companies, and they did everything for the client and. Uh, uh, we didn't have the luxury of doing that. We didn't have a sales force. Uh, we didn't have any presence in terms of, of the brand uh, or really a, a quality product to, to do things. So at, at that point, the academic market was really the only market that was available. And, and this was a very interesting market because no one wanted the market and very few people competed there. It was small. Uh, there was no revenue. It was a high cost market to, to reach. And academics were were unwilling and generally unable to pay. Uh, in fact, they expected free software and high levels of free support for their students. And they made really unreasonable demands in, in terms of a, having a very sophisticated product. Uh, the students that you work with regularly broke the software or they crashed the servers by doing things like uh, they, they would have a, a, a project that they would have to do. Well, they would go out and collect off the Internet uh, mailing lists and so forth, and they would mail out to a million different uh, people and collect a million responses for a class project using their free trial account. Okay? I mean, you know, it was just crazy things of, of that type. And, and through that process, we were able to develop a, a system or a platform that was incredibly robust, uh, that was able to do very, very sophisticated things in a very easy to use uh, self-service platform. So the, the the combination of things worked worked for us. And of course, we were working out of the, of the, the basement at the time and bootstrapping everything, uh, you know, not taking salaries or whatever it took to make this thing work. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, it, uh, it it ended up coming together uh, that we had the academics beating up on the product and we ended up with a very, very strong, robust product that, that uh, is a leader in the field today. Yeah. Yeah. And it was listening to you talk about the importance of market segmentation as you were mm-hmm. pursuing uh, multiple markets, you know, in my own career and working in, in several different uh, industries in and around technology, you know, often, you know, one of the biggest challenges of doing that, if you don't take that time up front to truly understand the unique needs and differentiation of those segments, you end up kind of evolving into a try to be all things to all people. And it can get, uh, basically, you, you, you don't achieve excellence in any, anything and, and things get kind of muddled. But it sounds like you were able to get a, a really clear perspective on some of the meaningful uh, areas you could differentiate and add value. And then that just led to that, that, that growth over time. Yeah, uh, Dan. One of the things that that happens with academics is is that particular market interfaces with virtually every other corporate market that's out there, and you know we hope that that someday the students that we were training at the universities would be able to take the product out into business. And and one day, uh, a student from the Kellogg School, actually, uh, Angela Lee was a professor, uh, took a sum- summer internship at a major corporation. And uh, the student left at the end of the summer, but the product stayed. Uh, and that, that's really what, what worked for us. Uh, we didn't have to have a sales force because these students were go- going out and they were our advocates. Uh, they were already trained. They could take it in there and say, hey, you need this. This is the best product that's available. Yeah, really a, a brilliant seeding strategy, right, over time of just creating the the champions um, for, for Qualtrics. Um, yeah, that's amazing. And one of the things you were talking about, Scott, back at the beginning, you know, at its core, Qualtrics has really been about family. You know, you co-founded the company. You work closely with two of your sons, I think, in the, in, especially in those those early days and throughout and in growing the business and ultimately, you know, generating hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. But we hear all the time about families that are working together in different kinds of businesses that sometimes that can be really challenging, right? To work with your your, your different generations within your family and all of that. But what kind of learning did you achieve along the way of how to balance kind of a business mindset with also that this was really a family operation at its core? Um, I, I just smile and laugh when 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 that question is asked. Um, I'm a researcher. I'm a creative. I I wrote. I've, I've written. I've developed software. I've consulted with major corporations for for decades. Um, and I have two sons that are in the business, uh, Ryan, uh, who's the CEO of Qualtrics at this time. He, he's a leader. He's a team builder. He's a salesperson extraordinaire. He's worked for HP and for Ford. Uh, he's, he's just, he is so good with people. Uh, Jared, uh, who is other son, is a visionary engineer. He is a detail-oriented implementer. Uh, he's worked for WordPerfect and Novell, uh, Juice Software. He was a member of the team of Form 4 that uh, managed Google China. Um, and so 
I guess I, I look at this and I'm saying, yes, I, we're working with family, but I've got some very interesting sons that are that are there. These guys are unicorns. Uh, they're extraordinary in their talent and their insight and drive. And and as a parent, uh, you know, I I created the company, um, started it, you know, conceptualized it, put the thing together. I had to stand back and say, you know, what can I learn from from these two boys that that have insights that I will never gain. Uh, because of their experiences and uh, they're just their action styles and the things that they are able to do. Um, when we took uh, our first round of funding, uh, we were working with Sequoia and Excel. Uh, the question came down, do we do this or not? And I had to sit back and I said, okay, this is your decision. You're the ones that are going to be running the company. And a friend of mine that was there with us uh, had an incredible amount of business experience. Just, I mean, he was, he was aghast that I would make that kind of a statement. But he said, you're right. Uh, you know, they are the next generation. They are the ones that have the fire in the belly and the, the ability uh, to develop a company that is so innovative and uh, uh, revolutionary that it can go on and, and do the things that, that we see in fact that it has done. Well, kudos to you for having that, that discipline and that insight to know when it was time to step back and, and that idea of empowerment, because a lot of time founders, entrepreneurs, right? There's this syndrome where you see where they, they don't necessarily know when it's time to kind of ease up, right? And, and ease up in terms of trying to control of those decisions. So in this case, um, you know, it, it was uh, really the, the right call, right? To, to kind of be able to step back. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were talking earlier about um, that expansion from the academic uh, base into the corporate base. And you, you talked about the internship, the product was left behind. Um, what do you feel were some of the biggest macro drivers that made Qualtrics so attractive, so coveted by businesses that really helped fuel that growth? The very first thing, uh, you know, this, this goes with any business, is that you have to solve pain. And Qualtrics was a, as a platform, uh, a survey research platform that we started in, in 2014. Uh, it solved the pain of the researcher. Uh, you know, they mentioned before going from a, uh, a three month or a six month window down to 48 hours on a, on a research project is an incredible uh, uh, feat. And when it when the quality of what you're doing is is better and it's faster and it's less expensive. Well, then then you've kind of won in all three different categories. Uh, Qualtrics uh, was a survey research platform. It evolved uh, to uh, an insight company and then has evolved the products to an experience management company. And today, Qualtrics focuses on customer experience, measuring that, reporting on it, employee experience, brand experiences, product experiences, and so forth. And it does all of the predictive analytics to identify products before they affect the operations and the bottom lines of the company. That, that's what it's all about. 
And uh, if you can get enough information so that you know what's coming down the pipe ahead of time, and can pre- prepare for for issues and problems. You know that's where it is. It's it's all about knowing more, having more information here today. Yeah, I've had some guests on the podcast. We've talked about this area of business intelligence and how do you do you make a, a company more intelligent? So it feels like you know that that's a huge driver. And then just being uh, able to make uh, better predictive uh, kind of analytical decisions and and just increasing those capabilities. Uh, absolutely. You know, the other thing that Qualtrics does is that um, it keeps the data there. Uh, traditionally, you've had research projects going on all, all over the place. And when the consultant leaves, there's a report that's on the table, it goes on the shelf, it goes into the closet, it gets discarded, and you've lost that information. And uh, we don't own the data that, that is collected. Uh, the client owns it. But that data is there. The, the survey instruments are there. The results are there. And so that you can go back and, and basically look in the closet and pull things up and see what's happened, not just within your department or your division, but, but you can have the, uh, the system administrator there for your company look throughout the entire corporation and what has been done. So you can save an awful lot of time and, and money just by looking at at, at your past experiences also. Yeah, it's all about enabling the customer. I love that, you know, in terms of these applications. And we've been talking a lot about uh, the solution and and the value and the problems that it solves. But when you look at successful businesses, culture is uh, always an important ingredient uh, in the long-term success uh, of a business. What aspects of the Qualtrics culture do you think were critical for you uh, as the company grew and and was able to succeed, um, I'm going to answer that in a different way, Dan. Um, Jared, who had spent uh, years at at Google, uh, was exposed to their culture, and he had a, a concept in his mind of what this culture should be like. And uh, we've integrated in it into to Qualtrics. But we use the acronym TACOS. And, you know, our culture is all about TACOS, uh, T-A-C-O-S. And, and, and that, uh, you know, it's something that's memorable. But it, what it stands for is being transparent. That's the T. A means it's all in. Uh, employees are all in. C means customer obsessed, customer centered. Mm-hmm. O means that you're one team. And S means that you're scrappy. Uh, scap- scrappy in terms of, of sales, uh, generally attitude, financially, and, and so forth. Uh, Qualtrics is extremely transparent. Uh, you're transparent in the workplace and in the culture. Uh, it's not only that, that you know what is going on, but everyone else knows what you are doing. Uh, we have goal setting that's on a, a quarterly basis, and those are reviewed by your team, the goals. Uh, you have uh, reviews that, that, uh, uh, that, that are on a, on a weekly basis that you make in terms of uh, what you're going to accomplish. And if, if we are transparent, uh, we are accountable, and everyone else is accountable. And, and 
if you walk into the Qualtrics offices, you can see that there are no offices. Uh, everyone has a desk. The CEO has a desk that's the same as, as everyone else. And it's all out in the open. Uh, I can see everyone's screen. They can see my screen and so forth, um, which cuts down on a lot of the game playing and the different things yeah. go on. Uh, there are rooms where you can hold meetings, but those rooms are totally glass. You can see in there from any direction, which protects every employee that's there. Uh, you know, if you if you are engaging in radical transparency, it really demands uh, that you everyone is informed about what should be done and what is being done. Um, continuing that, the issue of all in the A. Uh, is all about relationships that you have. Uh, are you all in with your employer? And uh, Ryan, who's the CEO of the company, gave a, a convocation address at the uh, Marriott School of Management. And uh, he spoke about being all in as a principle for life, uh, for employment, and, and also for family and for marriage and so forth. And uh, I'd really recommend viewing Ryan's uh, Guide to Life. If I'm going to give you a URL. It's marriottschool.byu.edu right slash convocation 2019. It's well worth the time to take a look at that. Yeah. Uh, C is customer obsessed. Uh, you have, it's more than smiling at your customers. It's, it's about being obsessed to, uh, with doing good to your customers and do good for them. Um, and uh, at Qualtrics, we've, we've done some really interesting and strange things to support the customer, even when it's cost us an awful lot of money, uh, because we are obsessed with them and, and the tasks that they have. Um, one team, uh, you're committed to the business. You're committed to your group. You're committed to even your family, if you want to talk about that. Uh, the teams do the hiring. The teams do the evaluation. The teams do the mentoring. And and that's part of the strong culture that we have. Um, and then finally, the S for Scrappy. Um, Qualtrics has a, a culture that's absolutely scrappy. Uh, we don't fail. We hate to lose. Uh, it's just a passion uh, to win, uh, in whatever we're doing. Uh, we've got smart people and, uh, we use this passion and the scrappiness to, to do things and do them in the right way. At least we try to do them in the right way. <laughs> well, you've been doing a lot of things, right, Scott and tacos, easy to remember, but love, uh, just the breadth of that, you know, in terms of really, um, you know, creating a meaningful culture that, that everyone can be inspired by and, and get aligned around. So, so we've, we've talked about this story over time, the company um, growing successfully, and, and then we, we get to the point uh, culminating in the SAP acquisition, as we mentioned, $8 billion in early 2019, I believe it closed. Scott, was your vision always at some point that would be an outcome the idea that Qualtrics would grow to a certain point and make sense to just become part of maybe an even bigger uh, global company? Or was that just something that it was an opportunistic uh, thing that, um, you know, right timing, uh, right partner? Um, just, uh, can you talk a little bit about that dynamic? Sure, sure. Uh, visions change over time. 
okay, no, no one knows, you know, that you're going to end up where you are at this point in your life. You know, it's a, it's an evolutionary process. Uh, ours, if the, the, the primary vision was to be the best in the world and, and that definition of best certainly changed over time, but the idea of being the best is still there. Uh, we've all evolved in our, our products and our employee base. We began with two people operating out of the garage and we've got 3000 employees in 20 offices, you know, throughout the world. That That's a far cry from what, what you could ever expect to, to have when you're, when you're beginning. Um, what does it mean to have a hundred thousand person company called SAP covering your back and helping your customers have great experiences and, and tracking and gaining vision to make their companies the best in the world? That's really what, what converted us to the idea of SAP. But how did we get there? Um, in 2012, we took a round of funding uh, with two companies that are arguably the, the best in the, in the VC industry, uh, Excel and Sequoia. And they had never done a, a partnership like this before. Uh, we like them. Uh, they're the smart guys on the block. And, and they did some amazing things to help us. Uh, remember we're, you know, a, a professor and a couple of kids, um, that haven't had experience and we're trying to turn this into a world-class company when, when we had no idea what world-class was, you know, Jared had a good vision of that coming from Google, but Ryan did not. And, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. uh, so you've got to figure out what that is. And as we have evolved and developed and I, and I might, you know, explain some of the things that, that happened. Um, Ryan need to, needed to purchase a, or needed to hire a VP at one point in time. He wanted someone that was world-class. We had no idea what world-class was. Yeah. So Sequoia took them, him down to Palo Alto, uh, paraded a group of VPs through there, and he gave them fake interviews. And as though he was going to hire them. And by the time he got done with that set of interviews, he knew what world-class was. And, and that type of mentorship takes you not further down the path, but it launches you into a totally different realm than you've had before. And you would never, ever get that type of experience uh, any other way. And uh, once, of course, once you accept money uh, from a VC, there are very few ways out, you know, uh, uh, M&A, uh, going public or whatever, uh, are, are two of the options. And and the the SAP deal came along. I think it was excellent for both companies, and uh, we're just we're really really excited to be part of that. Yeah, and and retaining a very clear identity, right? Even though being part of SAP, the Qualtrics uh, brand and and solution, right, is very very much still alive and well and 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 thriving. So uh, again, congratulations on that. Fantastic. Yeah. So, so Scott, I'd like to tap uh, in a little bit. You mentioned earlier that you're a researcher um, at heart, and obviously you've been an innovator. Um, can you talk about some of the developing technologies, advancements, when you think about the future and kind of where things are headed, what possibilities lie ahead of us? What gets you excited? Change. 
change makes me excited. <laughs> and thinking out of the box as to, to how we're going to deal with those. I mean, if you take a look at the world today, you know, I just, all of you, the, the folks that are listening, I, I just truly hope and pray that you are well, that your families are well. Uh, the the rate and direction of change in the world today and in, in the last three or four months has just been incredible. Our worlds have been turned upside down. Uh, the health events of today are terrifying, and they're also transformative. But I'm I'm very very excited about the future. Uh, we're going to make advances in the way that we diagnose and develop new treatments and vaccines in in the medical field. Uh, the way that we work remotely, we've never done this before, to the to the degree and extent that we are having to do it now. Uh, we're changing the way that we study and, and learn. Uh, universities had hoped maybe you'd get three or four or five percent of the courses online in the next year or two. Well, all of a sudden, they've got thousands of courses that are online and, and various degrees within a two week or three week period. <clears throat> and uh, we're going to study, we're going to learn differently remotely. Uh, we will connect and communicate differently. We'll, we'll you know, we're, we have yet to figure out how we're going to interact socially. Uh, you know, social distancing is a is a tough thing for for people now, and uh, uh, we've got to figure out what what that means and and what's going to happen in the future. Will our culture change? Uh, certainly, how we recreate and travel and experience leisure is going to change. Uh, there's just a lot of change that's happening in the world right now. There's so many opportunities and places where you can ideate and figure out uh, new opportunities that, that are there and, and will be there. And uh, you know, that's kind of the stuff that, that keeps me up at night. So I, th- I think it's keeping a lot of us up late at night, Scott, yeah. uh, at this point. Um, so any other final advice you'd have for business owners, entrepreneurs that are looking to really grow their business, achieve some sustainable success over time? I, I think the first thing is to prepare. Um, I, I get, you know, as an academic, you always get people that come in and say, hey, I've got a, I've got a great business idea. You know, I'm looking for an investor, but, but they're not prepared. You know, they haven't been there. They haven't been in the trenches. They really don't know much about the business that they want to do. Um, you know, we had decades of experience in this business area before the internet came along and it, and intersected with research, creating online research. Uh, you need to study the basics and understand your market. You know, what is their pain? What are their needs? Where are they located? Is it possible to get hold of them? How do we, how do we reach them? Uh, you need to study the ideas that you have and think out of the box so that you're going to deliver something that's very different, uh, either in terms of the product or, or the price or the way that it's delivered uh, from what's currently in the market today. Look at the companies that are out there that have, re- recognize, that have revolutionized the world. Uh, Amazon, you know, they started out as a bookseller. Uh, they're far from that now. And uh, they have used the, the tools and technology that they developed and uh, were there, and, and, and they have changed the world. 
Google and Facebook, you know, the, the big boys, they, they have all done that. Uh, study and find out what they did to make it happen. Um, after that, I, I think advice, be passionate. Um, it's not enough just to be passionate, though. Uh, you've, got to, you've got to put your life into it. Uh, I don't know many companies that are an overnight success. Most companies are 20-year successes. Uh, be very conservative financially. Look at your ROI for every single expenditure. Uh, bootstrap if you can. Uh, as an entrepreneur, you're going to be the one that, that loses your hair, that gets old and fat. You're going to be the one that has the heart attacks. Uh, never give up your shares of the company. Uh, you better make sure that when you get done with this, that, that you have something that, that is of value, that's worth it to you. Yeah. Um, success is, is simply not overnight. Uh, we get this, this idea that, yeah, I'm going to be next week, I'm going to be a millionaire. Well, it normally doesn't happen that way. It's a 20 year process for every company that, that you think about. Um, anyway, uh, it's a few thoughts. Yeah, yeah, no shortcuts. Uh, that that definitely resonates. Well, Scott, thanks again for a great conversation. Uh, going back and tracing the roots of a very successful company in Qualtrics, and we're going to continue to watch in amazement uh, as this company, as part of SAP, uh, goes on and accomplishes even more. So, thanks again for joining, Dan. Thank you so much. And I want to remind everyone out there uh, to be sure to check back. For the latest in business leadership insights, check marketimpactnow.com. So long until next time.